0: We know you love our audio podcast, but did you know that we're on YouTube too? That's right. Search The Fade Route with DNZ and you can find full-length episodes available to you whenever you want it. Go to YouTube and search The Fade Route with DNZ. Well, show. Welcome to The Fade Route. With DNZ Here are your hosts DNZ Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Fade Route with DNZ, IMZ, and we got a great show for you. The XFL makes a deal with the NFL. LeBron James wants to play with his son, and we're ordering up the five most unlikely Super Bowl MVPs, but we begin today with a landmark, groundbreaking settlement. In the world of women's soccer, the U.S. Women's National Team and the U.S. Soccer Federation have agreed to an equal pay settlement of $24 million. Originally, the Women's National Team requested $67 million in their lawsuit, but agreed to a lump sum payment of $22 million. As back pay and uh, a leveling of past performance and just a measure of equity with the U.S. men's national team. And there's an additional $2 million agreed upon by U.S. soccer that will go into an account to benefit U.S. women's national team's players in their post-career goals and charitable efforts, which is a nice touch. And this is a step closer to the equal pay for equal work that we are looking for in women's sports. It is not without its critics. While players like Megan Rapinoe and others are lauding this agreement, Former U.S. Women's National Team goalkeeper, Hope Solo, remember her? She's back in the news, as she has been highly critical of this settlement, saying that it's heartbreaking and infuriating because it's contingent upon the collective bargaining agreement being agreed upon. So, in her eyes, according to a tweet sent by her, this afternoon, this settlement is not a huge win it's heartbreaking and infuriating a promise of equal pay from the federation and back pay for a select group of players isn't equal pay and it's not what this fight was about that may be the case but you have to admit it's a good first start the women's national team Has done all the winning. Has done all the winning. Has done all the winning. The U.S. men's national team never even sniffs the World Cup. And may not sniff the World Cup yet again. Yet, they get paid a shit ton more than our champions do. And frankly, that is something that, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. And you hope that this is trending in the right direction and that the collective bargaining agreement is agreed upon so that way this will be ratified and we will truly be closer and we will truly be on the road to equity between men's and women's sports. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. Flight crew through and through. The last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely a step in the right direction. A lot of people don't realize, but at one point, the equal pay portion of the lawsuit was actually dismissed, and the players had to appeal. But in the end, the players emerged with a considerable, considerable amount of money. I understand where Solo's coming from. You know, she's worried that this is like a string attached to the collective bargain agreement. It very well could be. But they're still getting something here. They're acknowledging that the women were wronged and moving forward, hopefully it can things can get changed.
0: Absolutely. And that's the thing. Equal pay is important. And the first issue is always admitting that there is a problem and in the past the u.s women's national team of the soccer federation have always been hesitant to even admit that there was a problem and you also see that in the wnba where wnba players usually now it's starting to get a little bit it's starting to become more lucrative in the states but you have players like diana tarazi go abroad because the game of women's basketball was valued so much more outside of the States and they could get paid more outside of the States than they did. than they could playing in the WNBA. And a lot of, I mean, we now are on a, on the right track. And, we are definitely going to make it you know it's definitely going to be a more level playing field but um it's always it's always sad when you have to litigate these kinds of things but it's never surprising that these things happen
1: well it's like you said I mean the women's team is the team that actually wins like they win they actually do well um and and they're and they're on a national stage they're they're revered in soccer by other countries. Like we're damn good at soccer on the women's side. The basketball argument's a little tough because the, the WNBA. I don't really know if the WNBA actually makes any money, and you know the the problem there is I, I don't I don't think women's basketball gets as much support. Uh, I don't think I don't think women's basketball gets as much support as women's soccer does. And you do have players like you said, Tarasi, that go overseas where you know their impact is largely felt, and it is appreciated by women in, in other countries because they they don't have that kind of platform and they don't have that kind of ability. But it is good to see um, this go through, and it is nice to see a win for the women's soccer team.
0: It's time for The Fade In, where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. Absolutely, and it, after the fight, it's finally over. But we would be remiss if we did not begin today's show with the fight that occurred this past Saturday. Between the Michigan Wolverines, particularly head coach Jawan Howard, former NBA champion, member of the Fab Five, you know, you know, now Bo Shenbeckler's Michigan man, you know, like when, when I want a Michigan man, that is who Bo Shenbeckler had in mind. What he probably didn't have in mind was Coach Jawan Howard taking a swing at Wisconsin head coach Joe Crabenhoff. After Michigan lost 77-63. Now, Howard still has not apologized for the incident. He said in the postgame that he was protecting himself because coach Greg Gard put his hand on him on him inappropriately. Howard has been suspended for 5 games so the rest of the regular season. He's been fined 40k and coach Phil Martelli if you guys remember Coach Martelli, St. Joe's, Delonte West, Jameer Nelson, that Phil Martelli. He's Jawan Howard's second in command. He's actually taking over for the next five games while Howard is serving his suspension. So D, is this a big deal, little deal, or no deal at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, he did He did actually wind up apologizing on Monday, thankfully. I mean... This is a big deal, man. I mean, Michigan is a big-time program. And Howard set a bad example for Michigan, for the Big 10, for D1 basketball, and for all his players. The handshake is supposed to be the time when you come together and say, "Hey man, regardless of what was said or what was done during the last hour we just played each other. Good game. Good for you." You know, good you know, good, good try if you if you lost or, "Hey man, you got us this time." Not your time to take a shot at somebody, especially this guy's not even an athlete. Um, you know, this this is not Podunk College in the middle of nowhere. This is Michigan. This is Tom Brady Land. This is, you know, the the, the, the big ten. This is a big deal. And juan Howard, you're an NBA champion. Act like it, man. Originally I thought they should have, you know, suspended him for like you know, the whole season. Because I really was just... I mean, I'm talking about Big Ten tournament, next five games, NCAA tournament. We'll think about, you know, you're, you're gone, dude. Like, you, you know, we're firing you. You're out of here. And then I've come a little bit down to earth and said, you know what, maybe the five-game suspension is, is enough, but these are college kids, you know? Someone could have really seriously got hurt in that melee. And all because... The guy called a timeout with 30 seconds left, even though he was up 13. I mean, listen, I had a similar thing happen to me in high school where a team did that to us. They called timeout, even though they were up big by 30. Uh, They were up up big with 30 seconds left, and their coach called a timeout with, you know. And you know what? Our coach said, next time, we're going to be up by 30 when we play them. And that's exactly what happened. That's how you get back at these guys. You don't take swings at them in the line. And so what if the guy touches you? What is this? The South Side of Chicago in 1980? what are you, what are you, (laughs) in grammar school, man? Shrug it off. Be like, hey, man, don't touch me. Like, come, let's talk about this. Like, be an adult. Don't be a thug. And in this situation, he was a thug.
0: So, to give proper context to this, you know, we definitely need to put that into proper perspective. Guard actually put in his walk-ons. Okay? So, in your analogy, right, you're, you're, Losing by 30 and they put in their... If they put in their freshmen, it would be a similar kind of situation, right? Guard calls a timeout because this team is full of walk-ons. They're not his star players. Michigan is still playing its starters. Still playing full court press. Still trying to win this game. It's rightfully so that these walk-ons would be flustered. So, I can understand why a coach, still in the game, still in the moment of the game, would call a timeout to settle his flustered team. No lead is safe. No lead is ever safe. So, I completely understand why Coach Guard would want to keep his guard up, no pun intended. But, you can't be grabbing people, like, you can't... I understand that... You know, you're trying to, you know, to try and talk to him. You're trying to, like, you know, grab his arms, like, get his attention. But there are better ways, especially in a hypersensitive environment, just after the flush of a game that was intense, it was hotly contested, there are better ways to go about it. You know, maybe you wait until afterwards and you send, you know, a team manager over, and say hey coach would like a, t- a word with you something like that yeah yeah so that would be a way to do it but don't don't grab a dude's arm cuz you and i like we both know like we're not expecting something all of a sudden we get our arm grabbed what's our first instinct to punch. start swinging punch. <laughs> <laughs> to start first 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 second punch man yeah. first first reaction punch <laughs> right then ask questions yeah so i completely understand both are both are reasonable both are but ne- reasonable ne- th- th- but neither are of us are head
1: coaches of michigan though like neither of us are the head coach of a basketball program in division one college basketball
0: no we aren't and... so for us
1: to for us maybe to to take that mindset right as soon as someone grabs our arm or touches us to you know swing okay but we're not, well, we're not molding college minds on a national stage on television, right? No. There, there, there's a time and place for everything. And you're taking, a. a you know, from what I understand, from what I read, Guard was simply calling timeout, like you said, to help out his walk-ons, to advance the ball, you mm-hmm. know, just to get it across half court. Like, let's just try to help this situation out a little bit. A good teaching moment, possibly. But the, you, you can't, you can't do that. You set a bad example for the players on your team, and like I said, someone could have gotten hurt.
0: Somebody definitely could have gotten hurt, and three players already were implicated in this, right? You have Michigan forward, you have Terrence Williams, you have Musa Debate, and then you have Wisconsin guard Jacob Neath. Right? They were all suspended for their roles in this action so this was a domino effect because the action of run it back the action of the arm grab leading to the punches led to the players throwing the punches now all hell has broken loose so it has created a domino effect and frankly it's another instance where the quote-unquote adults in the room are the ones behaving like children And, frankly, I'm fine with a five-game suspension. I'm fine with a $40,000 fine. You know, you're going to hit him in the pocketbook. That's definitely the way to do it. You definitely have people's attention now. And what I don't like is that Krabbenhoff is not expected to be punished for this. Because he played a role as well. Right? He was also... I mean, he wasn't just a face getting punched. <laughs> right? He No. Let, let's be real here. He wasn't just an innocent bystander. He wasn't collateral damage. There was a clear reason why. Johan Howard just wasn't swinging for the sake of swinging. And, you know, Krabbenhoff definitely has a role. Guard was also fined 10 grand. So... If maybe, you know, not something from the league, maybe Wisconsin is going to internally suspend Krabenhoff or internally punish Krabenhoff. But he escaped, him escaping without blame, it, it doesn't sit well with me because there were no, there was no right, there was no wrong here. There was just escalating levels of bad behavior
1: yeah and i think you know you're you're right in a sense guard shouldn't have grabbed him but grab, i think he he was trying to he could tell howard was upset and he was trying to hold him from walking away because i think what howard kind of said to him was like i'm not going to forget that and guard was trying to hold his arm to keep him from walking past and be like hey listen this is why i did it i wasn't trying to show you up if you know i was trying to advance the ball trying to explain and and you know what you're right he, he probably shouldn't have grabbed him he probably shouldn't have put his hands on him he did it's over people are suspended people are fined but man that was wild
0: do you love brownies? of course you love brownies but you know what's better than a brownie? a delicious handcrafted gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep that's what our guys at Sweet Life Brownie Co. offer Chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave from the classic OB to Dutch apple to campfire s'mores and many more. Check out their website, sweetlifebrowniecode.com for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too at Life Brownie underscore co for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call 845-641-3043 and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com 845-641-3043 Life Brownie Co. Because there's always room for a brownie.
1: And another wild thing that took place is the XFL and the NFL have created a partnership where the XFL will test out new equipment and potential rule changes. The league will not serve as a developmental league for NFL players, but seems to have the backing of the NFL. What does this mean for the XFL, NFL and the USFL, which should be starting soon?
0: Well, if we think about the last time the XFL actually was relevant, I'm not counting the last time, when they started out great and then they ended up suing Oliver Luck. I'm going to talk about early 2000s. We actually got some innovative tweaks, and ultimately, the presentation of the NFL as we know it, is what changed the most, Right? The idea of the zipline cam, all of that came from the XFL. Now, we're going to see what is really going to come of this because I liken it to that short-lived partnership with the Atlantic League that Major League Baseball did, where they moved the mound back six inches (laughs) or they move the bases and they experiment with the robo arm and you know it's the it's the breaking ground for these rules that may or may not affect the game that we know so in a way this is going to be like the petri dish that the ESPN article that Kevin Seifert wrote it was he's likening it to a petri dish and I can understand that as well. So ultimately, I don't think it's gonna last that long just because I don't see the XFL lasting that long. And if the NFL is able to get one thing out of it, they'll be beneficial. They're not gonna be trading talent. They're not gonna be doing anything like that. If they can get you know, better equipment, I think that'll benefit them in the long run. Ultimately, the USFL is not going to be affected by this either, because I just, I don't see the USFL again, another one. I don't see them being around that long. I I really don't, I don't see them as direct competition, but the hunger for any product that's not the NFL just isn't there. They just, the USFL just had their draft the other night absolute dreck like these are guys that, <laughs> yeah. that, that they couldn't hack it in the you could they couldn't hack it in the XFL so I mean the highest profile player in the USFL right now is Paxton Lynch oh, need I say more Paxton Lynch is the most notable USFL player so It would be great if the NFL can get something out of this. I think it's going to be more one-sided in that regard. But ultimately, I don't think this is as big of a deal as people think it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to start this off saying this. The NFL Pro Bowl
0: Hmm. beat
1: the NBA All-Star Game and the Daytona 500 in ratings. Football is just something that people are attracted to in America. And it is professional football. I I agree with you and I don't know where this is going to go. But just as long as they know their place, they'll be fine. I think what what happened with the XFL previously was, you know, when COVID, COVID wiped it out. Because I think it actually was doing pretty well. Especially when you were able to bet on it. You know, it, it brought in an audience and it brought in it brought in something to do on, uh, you know, a, a Sunday morning or a Saturday night in April or in March or whenever it was taking place. Um, the AF, the, what happened with the <laughs> AF, the AF, <sighs> is that they were trying to get big too quickly. It's just like, guys, we need to develop this. This is going to take time. This isn't something that we're going to get rich in two years or three years. This is like... An 8 to 10 year project and as much as I dislike the rock I like the, air, the, the the way he's going about this start this off as a partnership work with them try new technologies develop new ideas and then 8 to 10 years from now you can figure out what you're gonna do I don't think you can compete with the NFL but I do think there is a market for a spring league I do I do I don't I don't know how it's going to work but there's definitely talent out there and whether and the talent aspect is not a part of this initial agreement but you can certainly see how a player like i said like kyler murray could be upset with the cardinals and be upset with the situation and be like forget it i'm gonna to go to the xfl where i'm gonna be the best player i'm gonna make the most money and i'm gonna have a decent career You know, people forget the USFL originally, when it came out, was actually successful with players like Steve Young and players like Jim Kelly, that it worked and they were doing well. It's just that a certain person got involved and and tanked the whole league. So I do think there's a market for it. As long as they understand their place and understand revenue will come down the road, they can make this work, especially just, just in terms of gambling. They're going to have a chance to make money just on the gambling part of it. Um, it's and I do think in, in in regards to the NFL, it is going to help for rule changes. Um, maybe the, the the sky judge, which we've been talking about. Um, the other thing, officiating, get some officials in there, and maybe they graduate to the NFL. Maybe that could that maybe that could be an, an area that's that's helpful. Equipment. The, you know, helmets, shoulder pads, things that are making things safer for players. Um, the other thing is, is as far as the USFL is concerned, I think it's great because it's going to create some competition there. And who knows? Down the line, maybe the winner of the USFL League and the winner of the XFL League, they meet in a championship game. Like, there's, there's, there's certainly not a lot of value now, but depending on how they grow the brand – there can be potential down the road.
0: So where I see this as being beneficial is more not necessarily a feeder league, but the equivalent of winter league baseball. Teams send their players there, their yep. special teams guys. They send their coaches. So if you identify a, a coach like Kellen Moore with the Cowboys, right? You want to get him some seasoning as a head coach send him to the XFL let him go coach in the spring league let him get his feet wet as a head coach rather than bringing in the rotting corpse of Jeff Fisher you know
1: and the truth is is the truth is is that there, there's a lack of good quarterback play in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier this week about, oh, where is Matthew Stafford ranking and in in, in out of all 32 quarterbacks in the NFL right now? And my immediate thought and your thought too was he's trash and he's not that good. But then we started saying the names of who's left now that Ben is gone, Brady's gone. And we are like, wait a minute. Matthew Stafford is a top 10 quarterback. He's top seven, top eight, definitely top twelve. He's Matt Stafford. and, And and people forget about this, is that you know there was the NFL Europe and you know, and basically that was created to develop quarterbacks. People don't know that, but that's what that league was really created for. Yeah, they were trying to grow the band brand in Europe, but they also were trying to get out of situations where quarterbacks got hurt or quarterbacks came to the NFL and they weren't ready to play. Players like Kurt Warner uh, was was a player who played over there, and uh, James Harrison played over there. There's a lot of players that J.T. O'Sullivan came over there, came from over there. A lot of players came from the the uh, NFL Europe and wound up making a name for themselves in the NFL. Today, in today's league, the chances of getting another Tom Brady are very slim. 199th pick. You know, winds up getting Drew Bledsoe gets hurt, becomes the starter, spends twenty years with one franchise, wins what six Super Bowls. That's not that's not going to happen in this league now. It's not. It's not. The NFL is not designed that way anymore. But if talent could develop in another league and eventually work its way over, that seems more likely.
0: That definitely would seem more likely. And honestly, if they work with the union and replace OTAs right? Spring OTAs, replace it with the XFL. I think that would be great because you're developing talent and you're actually going to improve the quality of your product because when you inevitably go to the 18 game schedule, these guys will be ready to go and they'll be in football shape.
1: And people don't like this. I, I know it's it, this idea would never happen, but I love the idea of, hey, man, the worst team in the NFL has to be demoted <laughs> to the XFL and the best team in the XFL. Owners would never go for that. But that that creates a reason, right, for you not to come in last. Like, we cannot lose. What? You know, it gives, it gives people a reason not to lose. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road, and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto, we really care about what's under your hood. But, uh, somebody that lost over the weekend, was anybody who watched the NBA All-Star Game? Good lord, that was awful. Uh, But rather than talk about how brutal and awful the contests were, we're going to just focus on some second half storylines because believe it or not there's only 23 or 24 games left in the season. Chris Paul was being considered for the MVP. He injured his thumb last week and will likely be out until May. What does this loss what does the loss of Chris Paul mean to the Suns CP3 and to this number 1 seed going forward?
0: Well, considering the fact that he was the difference maker, it's definitely going to make a huge difference. Even though DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker have more seasoning, Chris Paul was the linchpin of the whole thing, right? His acquisition is what took them from two years away, from being two years away, to being <laughs> yeah. in the NBA championship, right? They had him in the finals. That He single-handedly was the X factor. And this year, I mean, he's averaging 14.9 points per game. You're looking at 10.7 assists, almost 49% from field goal range. I mean, 84% free throws. He's having another bang-up season. And this is what Chris Paul does. And they had the opportunity, and the timing of this could not have been worse, right? Right. Because the trade deadline has come and gone, there are, there was one guy that could have been picked up probably on the cheap. One, Mr. Kemble Walker. Like Kemble Walker would have been a, a nice stopgap. Oh, here's a guy that just signed with the Brooklyn Nets, Goran Dragic. Yeah. Dragic would have been an excellent pickup. Now you're going to have Booker being the primary guy again. Cameron Payne is going to be the primary point guard, and he's been under the learning tree of Chris Paul. But is he going to be what Chris Paul is? I don't know about that. But overall, their top five in assists, their top five in rebounds, and their top five in points per game. That's definitely going to take a hit with Chris Paul not being there to facilitate the ball. Now, are teams like Utah, Denver, or are they going to be able to catch The Suns I don't necessarily see that But It's definitely It's going to be sweatier than we think
1: Man you touched on That, that Kemba Walker thing is just freaking crazy <laughs> Like like really like they, they brought him in And he's They're telling him don't play the rest of the year We'll pay you not to come to the games And sit on the bench Are you kidding me
0: yeah. Are you kidding me
1: and, and did they not learn their lesson? Like Boston didn't re-sign Fournier, they traded Kemba to Oklahoma City. And oh, what did you think? You were just gonna, oh man, we'll just get the Celtics trash and be good.
0: <laughs> That's the thing. That's I think it was a very, it was a very short-sighted, short-sighted uh, acquisitions by the Knicks because they overplayed. Everybody agreed, right? We even said that. They overshot last year, right? Being the fourth seed. And bringing in Evan Fournier and bringing in Kemba Walker was not the right move. It definitely wasn't. But as far as the Chris Paul thing goes, I mean, even if it's in a short stopgap situation, Kemba Walker would certainly be, a, a ni- even a bench piece, Kemba Walker would be a nice little add for them.
1: Absolutely. I, I like Kemba Walker and I don't I don't know, maybe my memory's all messed up, but I remember at one point they cut him out of the rotation. Uh-huh. Then all of a sudden they brought him back and then he was playing good. They were doing good. They were thriving. And now you're losing. So what does it matter to just play him? And the whole idea is though they don't want to get him they don't want him to get hurt because they wanna use him as trade bait for the offseason. Nobody's gonna you think you think his trade value is gonna go up? Tell tell the Rockets and John Wall how the trade value for John Wall has gone up since he hasn't played all season. Like, what what, what are you guys thinking? I I don't get the mindset there. Play him! Let what? him get his value up. The the garden cheers his name! They chant his name.
0: Now, here's what I'm thinking, right? I think they see him as an ultimate change of scenery guy and ultimately a salary dump for the other ultimate change of scenery guy, one Mr. Zion Williamson?
1: Possibly, but uh, I, the, the whole... We play to win the game. You we should do. be playing to win the game. The, the Garden wants him to play. I like watching him play. You're losing anyway, so just play him. Play everybody. It, you should be searching for new ways to try to win because you can't win. And I didn't even comment on the Chris Paul thing, but, you know... It, basically, him being out the next eight weeks, he's not winning the MVP award. That's gone. It gives the Suns a chance to grow without him. He's an injury-prone player. And the Suns need to be prepared to play without him in the playoffs and play without him sometime in the future. He's not going to play forever. And And granted... We've talked about Chris Paul on this show a couple of times. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Chris Paul. I think talent sets the floor, character sets the ceiling, and I dislike his character. I don't like he, how he talks to referees. I don't like how he agitates players. I think he's a dirty player. And whatever happens, happens. So, CB3, whatever.
0: Speaking of whatever happens, happens, we do have another storyline coming out of the NBA, right? LeBron James. Nah, LeBron. LeBron pride of Akron Ohio once again stoking the flames about whether or not he's going to join the Cavaliers so there was that one little thing and a little sub story that we might have to wait a couple of years to play out he wants to be on his son's team when Bronny eventually turns pro LeBron said he will try to get wherever Bronny's drafted and play at least one season with his son. So, I mean, you have two sons. Do you see this happening, and should teams start prepping for this?
1: I mean, here's the thing. is like, I just... I've never seen his son play. I can't comment on how talented his son is. I don't, I don't really know. But I think this just creates a lot of pressure for his son, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're already... You're the ready the son of a great player. Okay. Now he's saying he wants to play with you. Okay. So let's say you get you get drafted by like the Orlando Magic. And now your father, who's it probably closer to 40 now, is going to come play with the team. He's going to be with you on road trips. He's going to be with you in meeting rooms. He's probably going to, you know, talk bad about the coach to you behind his back because he's probably smarter and better than the coach. Is that the best environment to put your son in wouldn't it be better to let your son just go out there and kind of play and kind of make a name for him for himself i just i just i don't think this is a good position to put his son in and if you think about it like let's say what in the next three or four years we're going to be the bad teams is it going to be great for Bronny to be playing in orlando with his father is it going to be great for Bron- Bronny to play be playing in portland with his father or Sacramento? You think that's gonna go over well? Is that really how you want to end your career, LeBron? You want to be playing with him in in a, in a terrible town and and being more of a circus than just seeing like how good your son really is? I just I don't think it's a smart move. And like I said, it puts a lot of pressure on the kid because you know he's thinking about it. Why wouldn't he?
0: Well, I got <coughs> I have three words for you, sir. Madison Square Garden. They're finally gonna get him. He's going to be 41 years old and at the end of his rope and that's when that's when the Knicks finally get LeBron James at 41 years old and whether or not his son can play is immaterial it doesn't matter he's already taken his son's spotlight yeah like, but it's... you don't
1: want you don't want him to be Drafted because LeBron James is his father, and you think you're going to get LeBron James? Like that's terrible.
0: No, absolutely like, not.
1: Like, like think about it. Like, we're not we're not talking about Bronny like we were talking about LeBron. Okay, nope. so he's already not that good. Okay, we're not talking about Bronny like people were talking about Carmelo Anthony because people were talking about Carmelo Anthony when he was getting ready to come out to go to to go to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Like, what if? So let's say let's say he's he's good enough to be a top twenty pick. And people overshoot for him and draft him six, seven, five, or one for because of his, his father. Dad. That's awful, man. That's just going to be awful. That's Anthony Bennett status, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And teams, you know what? The the other thing you need to really be thinking about, you know, yes, LeBron James, you know, he is a legend. And this year, he's doing well, right? He's averaging 21, 29.1 points, almost 7 assists, 52% from a field. Yes, that's great. He's also 37 years old. Father Time is undefeated. Not Tom
1: Brady beat Father
0: Time. I well, I don't <laughs> know about that. He, made it, he's, he might have to deal with Giselle because she's taking Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now. Giselle. But... LeBron James can't keep going at the rate he's been going. And it's just your body's going to break down. He's already started to break down since he's been in L.A. So, yeah, it's going to be the law of diminishing returns. Are you, what are you going to pay for? And is he going to take a mid-level exception to do this? Probably not fiscally it's going to be a nightmare because you have to pay your stars you're going to have to pay LeBron who's on the back end of his career kind of like Jordan was with the wizards you're that's what you're probably going to be getting you'll get flashes but you're not going to get consistency and you're going to get a question mark with his son it's just a big question mark and i don't think i don't think teams are going to necessarily touch it If only for the fact that they want to sell tickets and put asses in seats. Now, does that benefit LeBron, right? Or is that he's very self-aware and he's very aware of his legacy. And so is his camp. Rich Paul came out this week and tried to take Michael Jordan down a peg for being on the NBA 75 because LeBron's road was harder. Shut up. Shut up with that. Now, with somebody who's very self-aware of his legacy and self-aware of his brand, I don't necessarily think LeBron would end up in Sacramento. You know, I don't think LeBron would go to Utah. I, I don't know if LeBron would, would go to New Orleans. He's a, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, regardless of what he says... Your actions speak differently. He either went to huge markets, he went to Miami, he went to LA, or he stayed in Cleveland. I think the only way this works is if Cleveland drafts him, and then that's even more of a crucible, right? Because LeBron not only played there, but he won there. That's even that's even worse if you're Bronny, you know? If it's the Minnesota Timberwolves, okay, whatever, but you're either gonna end up in a big market or you're gonna end up in Cleveland because that's the track record of one Mr. LeBron James.
1: Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you, Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that D&Z sent you.
0: More or less. All right, boys and girls, we have a statement, and that statement is more likely to happen or less likely to happen. And here we go. More or less likely, the 2022 MLB opening day will start on time
1: jeez less likely the <laughs> it's uh there are so many things in the way of getting this resolved i i don't i don't see how it's gonna get resolved salary cap for one they're like 70 million dollars off of the salary cap the players are harping on service time because they want to get paid quicker and and players are upset about tanking. Te- teams not competing to win championships. I mean, I'm siding with the owners. I don't know if you. I don't know how you feel about this, but I am. If I'm an owner, I want a lower salary cap. I don't want to spend 200, 240 million. You know, 260 million. No, no. I want to spend 214, 210. Yeah, that's it for me. Like, especially if I'm a low, a small market team. I'm not killing myself. All right. Uh I need service time. I need to help save money, and I need my team. If my team can't compete, I gotta figure out other ways to save cash. Okay, and if I'm gonna really win, let's be honest. I need to suck for four or five years (laughs) to get back into it again. It's just the way the it's just the way the game is designed. Z, it's just the way the game is designed. The Astros, Tigers, and Raves prove these methods work. Okay, and there are other things working against the players. COVID. I know these guys are billionaires. I know these owners are billionaires, but they haven't had full stadiums, full stands for two years. Okay. Baseball needs this season. They need a season of full stands to get back into the action. The owners should consider asking the players union to extend the CBA for just one more season. Promise not to strike so that we can just get – everyone get a little more money in their pocket. Everyone get get their heads on straight, and maybe everybody can get something that they want. Pace of play. There's too many home runs, too many strikeouts, too many walks. Nobody's putting the ball in play, and they're not capturing new fans. I don't care. I've been waiting to watch baseball for 30 years. It doesn't bother me. But you're not going to get the 9-year-old the 8-year-old or the 7-year-old to nope. sit and watch baseball or go to a game with his dad because they're changing the picture every 45 seconds. The length of the season, and this is never going to change, but 162 games is too long. If teams, if teams were playing, if they were playing less games, every team would have a chance every year. It's the long season. It's the long, the long stretch that hurts teams that don't have that much talent. And you, you know, you never. And the other thing is, is when you have the long season, the numbers are more reliable. The averages matter. You cut that number in half. You cut it down. I don't know if it's as reliable. It could be, but I don't know. And then the the the, the contracts, like the I mean, not the contract, the to- the contact guys, the speed guys, the veterans, and starting pitching no longer matter. So your the, the workforce is completely changed. So yeah, your Mets went out and spent I think what forty million dollars on Scherzer. They were probably better off getting a twenty-three year old or for 23 23-year-olds for his his dollar figure. So this is less likely. The game has changed. The players don't want to acknowledge that. All they want to do is get paid. And at the end of the day, baseball is going to hurt the most because I don't think fans are coming back this time.
0: I agree that it's less likely. And the longer this goes, the less likely you're going to have full stands full capacity and you're not going to have the same goodwill it's a different generation it is a different generation we were 9 10 years old 94 you know and it's one thing like baseball's in our blood we're not the majority like we, i acknowledge that i'm firmly I, i'm firmly not the guy that they're targeting they're trying to turn every broadcast into a video game. They're trying to speed up everything to where it, it's catching that that short attention span crowd. Baseball is not a short attention span game. It's play without a clock. There's nuance. Well, at least there was nuance. That doesn't exist anymore. The, the entirety of the game, the strategy of the game is completely changed. The lefty specialist is gone. Double switch is gone. Bunting is essentially gone, right? That's another thing. The universal DH, you might as well kiss the sacrifice bunt goodbye. Stolen bases, Moneyball got rid of those years ago. The, the game has changed. I can acknowledge that. And whose whose side are you on? Oh, I'm totally on the owner's side. Yeah. I'm totally on the owner's side. Because what do we always say about contracts? You're not paying for the future. You're paying for the past. That's what these big these big contracts are for. Max Scherzer got that money not for the future. He got got that dollar figure based on what he did for other teams. Mike Trout got paid mostly on his MVP performances and on his past performance. Past performance does not guarantee a future outcome. If that was the case, Jason Bay would have been an amazing Met. Jason Bay was a terrible Met, as you know. So whenever you get a big level contract, In free agency you're paying for the past and the problem is owners don't want to pay for the past owners want to save money because they just lost a shit ton and yes I know about the TV contract I understand the TV contract it's only part of it you still had to open that building you still had to open that building with nobody there you're running at a loss so ultimately, Tony Clark and Rob Manfred need to lock themselves in a room and they need to acknowledge the fact that they have both royally fucked this up.
1: Yeah, and basically, baseball's put a soft deadline for Monday where they're saying, hey, if we don't have a deal done by Monday, then the season's getting cut. And the players already said, we're not doing extended playoffs unless we get 162 games we want to be paid for 100s paid for 162 games. Guys, it's not happening. It's not happening. I just I don't I don't see it. I don't see
0: it. I don't see it at all. Absolutely not. And
1: they're clueless. They're clueless. They're... they're clueless. They don't want to know. It's either you're clueless or you don't want to know. You don't want to accept what it is. I don't know what you guys want these people to do. I just and I think it'd be a different story if you had two years of phenomenal numbers and phenomenal ratings and everything's mm-hmm. going great. Yeah. They're upset because they're not getting paid as much as they were. <laughs> because why am I going to pay you? I don't have to pay you. The developmental leagues are better now. Better than they've ever been. I'm getting a much more polished player at 23 than I am getting a broken down pitcher at 34, 35. And you know what? I'm going to take the chances with the 23-year-old because there's a better upside there. The days of of paying like a Max Scherzer, or, or um, you know, uh, what was some of the other guys? Clayton Kershaw, Robbie those guys, a lot of money to come in for a uh, two, three, or four years in their thirties. Forget it. That's another thing. That's why Freeman. Freeman's gonna have a tough time getting a contract. I mean, yeah, Boston and and the Yankees and the the Dodgers are gonna jump in and, and give him what he wants. But the Braves are like, dude, we're not gonna give you an eight year, you know. Two hundred and ten million dollar contract. We're just not going to do it. Well, will maybe we'll give you a four year, hundred and forty. If, right. if that works for you. But I'm not paying you until you're thirty eight or thirty nine or forty. Those contracts do not work. No. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. We won our World Series. We're not gonna sink our team. And he's a great player, and he's going to do well. And then. I know we've been talking about this for a while, but then you important. have, but then you have the other, you have the other side. Of the, you know, you have other people who are like, now I want them to increase the salary cap. I want my team to spend money. Spending more money doesn't equate to better baseball. Okay, the years when the Yankees won their championships when they outspent everybody and they spent so much money. Guess what? Everybody could, everybody could do that now, and that's why they have a tough time getting back there and doing well because now everybody spends money. So. And then you have teams like the Rays that don't spend anything and they make it to the World Series. And somebody said, oh, that's not a good model for for winning. That's not a good model for sex. Hello, they got to the World Series. They (laughs) spent a quarter of the money that the team they played did. I think they won pretty good. Now, (laughs) I got
0: to say, sustained success is based on what? Drafting, developing talent, and then signing them. And then moving them for cheaper talent. Right. Isn't that... Isn't that what Tampa Bay does?
1: That's what they do every four years, man. That's,
0: That's what they do. And right, back. The, the rumor is that Austin Meadows is on the block. Burn and what it down. I, what did I tell you? What did I tell you when I heard that they're gonna fleece whoever they trade Austin That's Meadows right. to? That's
1: right. If you're get if you get a call from the Tampa Bay the
0: Tampa Don't Bay Rays, them.
1: hang up. Do not answer. Hang them. up.
0: You will lose.
1: They know their players better than
0: you do. They know your players better than you do. Speaking of that. More or less likely, Juan Soto will sign a contract for more than $350 million.
1: I mean, really, just based on what happens with the CBA, but I got to think he will, right? He turned down a 13-year deal. A 13-year, $350 million deal he turned down. He's 23 years old. I mean, he had 110 RBIs a couple years ago. I mean, the future's bright for him. Somebody's going to pay him. If the Nationals are smart, they don't. They won't. <laughs>
0: If the Nationals are smart, as soon as, as soon as they break camp, Trade him. I'm I'm trading him. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Adios, uh, muchacho. <laughs> Adios, goodbye. muchacho. <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. If I can get four prospects and Thanks make them play there it is. Like, do what you didn't do with Bryce Harper. Learn your lesson. Get rid of him. You're not going anywhere. Your team is awful. Start building for the future. And this is not saying tanking. Tanking is different. Build for the future. You can easily dangle Juan Soto to a team that wants to take the next step and you can get their top three prospects, (laughs) top four prospects, (laughs) plus a a major league player. Juan Soto is that good. And as a Met fan, it pains me to say that. But Juan Soto is that good. He will get you that he'll get you that that caliber of Hall. Now, as far as will he? I'm gonna say it's more likely just because of the the past contracts. You're we're not going backwards. Right. Yeah, I mean Pandora's box is open, man. We're gonna have a half a billion dollar player it might as well be Juan Soto. It wasn't Tatis. It's not gonna be Vladdy Jr. There are too many holes in Vladdy Jr's game. Juan Soto is closer to a complete player. And if I had the money and needed to justify that kind of thing, that is what I would be using as justification for it. But for the simple fact of inflation and overvaluing of talent, Juan Soto is definitely going to get like half a bill and that's that's obscene to me that is absolutely obscene to me that's you know that's the gross domestic product of a small country but it's in Juan Soto more or less likely Aaron Judge will sign an extension with the Yankees before the regular season starts and he will be named captain
1: it has to be more likely he has to they have to they have no other option. They can't let him walk for nothing. They sign him. They give him the captaincy. This is what it was all they were waiting for.
0: I want to say more likely. Honestly, I do. I mean, if you look, he's been a model Yankee. He's performed, right? He's 276 career batting average. You're looking at 158 career home runs. Surprisingly low, considering he's a slugger. But... He's the face of your team. Who else is the face of your team? Stanton? No. Glaber Torres? No. You're trying to get rid of him. Luke Voigt? No. Sanchez? No. Aroldis Chapman? No. Like This is it. Like, this is the guy. You've been waiting for the next Jeter? You have the next Jeter. Lock the son of a bitch up. Lock him up. Make him the captain. And then figure out the rest of the team and build around him. Because what you have ain't working right now. But you have a guy who wants to be here. You have a guy that's producing. You have a guy that's handling the spotlight that being the star player of the New York Yankees brings. You don't just let those guys leave. And I understand that, you know, you want to start saving money. You should have thought about that before you traded for Stanton. You should have thought about that before you traded for Aroldis Chapman and then re-signed him. You should have thought about that when you signed Aaron Hicks and his back broke the moment he signed this contract. That's not on Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is the guy you keep. And last but not least, more or less likely, number four, Zion Williamson will be a New Orleans Pelican next year.
1: I mean, this is this is less likely, and this comes upon reports where he hasn't been in contact with the team. He did not talk to McCollum after the trade. He's not playing because he doesn't want to get hurt. I think he's going to force his way to a big market team, possibly the New York Knicks. So I'm going, I'm going uh, less likely.
0: I'm going absolutely less likely. Go back to draft deck the look on his face when he was drafted by the New Orleans Pelicans. He looked like he was going to be ill. That's all you need to know about Zion Williamson. He didn't want to be there. He hasn't wanted to be there. He does not want to be there, period. He's only played 85 games in his career. 85. Granted, when he's been on the court, he's been pretty good. Has he been transformational? Has he been generational? No. As it turns out, John ja Morant was the, the better pick. But you can't foresee that Zion Williamson is going to be that level of... You hesitate to say the word, but I would argue he's a bust. Considering what John ja Morant is doing... There's no way I'm keeping him if I'm the Pelicans. You you have CJ McCollum. you You have other talented players there. And you can get more for Zion Williamson because of the name recognition of Zion Williamson. And this feels like a New York Knicks or bust type deal. I mean, I can argue... I can maybe argue for... A team like Cleveland, or, you know, a team maybe like Miami, maybe they want to shake things up, you know, a team that's young, relatively young and hungry. But I don't see Zion Williamson being there long term. And this may have been the moment where it's become a bridge too far for the front office of the Pelicans. Need a little inspiration in the kitchen? Want to try something new? Or maybe you just need a new YouTube cooking show to binge? Well, I have the answer for all three. As You Eat It, hosted by me, Z. I invite you into my home and show you methods designed to empower and inspire you in the kitchen. Cook how you want to cook, eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's as you eat it, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out and let's get cooking. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, boys and girls, it is time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week. You know how this goes. We put up a poll on our Twitter page at FadeRouteDNZ and you vote. And you vote, and you vote, and you vote. The winner... gets gets announced a week later on our show. And do you know D, who won last week?
1: Oh, I felt like I do and now I don't remember. Who who won?
0: Ah, one Ah. one dark knight turned bad bird. (laughs) Matt (laughs) Harvey. That guy. Look, Look who won the white pony. It was Matt Harvey. But that was last week. What about this week? Who are your nominees, D? All
1: right. For my alleged... You know what? I'm going to let you go first. I always go first. You go first this week. Uh, I feel bad. I always, I always steal your guy.
0: Quite the gentleman. <laughs> uh, for me, I got three. Two from the world of basketball and one from the world of golf. Okay, Number we one. definitely we're definitely
1: not going to we're definitely going to have different guys.
0: <laughs> Number 1 for me, Kemba Walker. For agreeing to a big money contract and then agreeing to be sidelined by the Knicks after averaging career lows in points and assists in only 37 games this season, just in time to be an expiring contract salary dump next year. Kemba Walker, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Phil Mickelson For getting in bed with the upstart Saudi Golf Tour in order to gain leverage with the PGA. Only for it to completely blow up in your face. Forcing you to apologize and ultimately lose a sponsorship deal. Phil Mickelson, you are my lefty superstar, alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, J.J. Reddick for making this growing rift between Zion and the New Orleans Pelicans all about him. He was the one who was concerned about Zion's leadership ability when he was a teammate of his in New Orleans. And he voiced his concerns to management. JJ, Bubby, it ain't about you, man. You're retired. You're done. Go Be a blowhard with Stephen A. Smith. And if I may borrow from Mike and Mike, please do us all a favor and just shut up. JJ Redick, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Who you got, D? Oh,
1: man, I got four this week. First up, I got your boy, Marcus Stroman. No. Ripping his former team, the Mets, on Twitter and telling other players not to sign there dude you are five seven and posted uh, what three double digit win seasons in eight years you're from new york man careful the people you see on the way up are the people you see on the way down marcus stroman you are my alleged superstar of the week number two i have zion williamson former number one pick of the new orleans pelicans has not been in contact with the team did not reach out to C.J. McCollum after he got traded there. That's clownish, bro. You're supposed to be the face of the franchise. You are my alleged superstar of the week. Number three, Juwan Howard. Come on, man. He's taking a swing at another coach on a handshake line. This is grammar school in Chicago in the 80s, man. You can't be doing that. Juwan Howard, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And number four, we might have missed this a while back, but I'm bringing him up now. Matt Stafford, professional photographer Kelly Smiley, fell in front of you right before the Rams parade, fractured her spine, and broke two of her cameras on the fall. You made an awkward face at her, told your wife to handle it, and walked away. Dude, you are my alleged superstar of the week.
0: I saw that. That was so bad.
1: Mr. Oh, my nice guy, guy is not so nice at all.
0: No, absolutely not. And it was only a matter of time before the real Matt Stafford stood up. And that was a bad look for everybody. That's that, a
1: bad look, man. Exactly. And then they tried to cover it up saying that she's not a good person, that she's a racist. Like That does not mean anything. He watched her fall, told his wife to handle it, and walked away.
0: So yeah, like what more can you say about that? And I don't want to hear that he was drunk. Yeah, he was drunk. Like that, re- that usually reveals your character. In vino veritas, I believe is what it, what the old, uh, the old saying is. But you've heard our nominees, ladies and gentlemen, go to our Twitter page at FadeRouteDNZ the poll will be there and for all of our nominees just do better just do better Order up! All right, boys and girls, it's time for us to order up. Order up, order up! This week, we are ordering up the most unlikely Super Bowl MVPs from five to one. Who you got, D? All
1: right, so number five, I went with Jim Plunkett Super Bowl 15. He was 13 of 21 for about 260 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, that means 10 of his passes were just regular completions and then there were three touchdowns. That's, that's pretty weak. That was in the the Rams versus, uh, that was the Rams versus, no, I'm sorry. That was the Raiders versus the Eagles. Number four, I know this might surprise you. I'm going to go with Bart Starr, Super Bowl one, Kansas City Chiefs versus Green Bay. He was 16 of 23 for 250 yards two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, as long as completion was only 37 yards. It's kind of weak, man. Uh, number three, I really want to make this guy number one, but I was afraid to get killed for it. Peyton Manning, 2007, mm-hmm. 247 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one fumble lost against, uh, this was against Chicago when he was with the Colts. I believe Joseph Adai had over a hundred yards rushing that game. Uh... And, uh, yeah, they they, pound, they pounded the ball on the ground. He shouldn't have got it. Uh, number two, Terry Bradshaw. Super Bowl XIV. 309 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions against the Rams in the 80s. And number one, Larry Brown. We talked about it last week with Chris Johnson. Super Bowl thirty. Neil O'Donnell threw him two beautiful passes that just <laughs> – that was all he did all game. He had two interceptions. He returned them close enough so that the, the Cowboys could punch him in. And that's all he did. And that was Pittsburgh against Dallas in Super Bowl 30. What do you got, C?
0: <coughs> <coughs> well, not as much Peyton Manning hate. Definitely not as much Peyton Manning hate, but that that's trash okay. player. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, like, some underwhelming performances on here, but... Surprisingly, you're not going to find Malcolm Smith. Malcolm Smith, the linebacker from Seattle. He had an interception for a touchdown. He had a fumble recovery. And he had 10, 10 tackles. tackles. Yeah. yeah. So Malcolm Smith, you may be the most obscure in history, but you certainly had a good game. So kudos to you, man. You're not on the list. Number five, Ray Lewis, Super Bowl 35. Yeah. No, not not Nothing to speak of. Nothing noteworthy. No. Because that game was such an ass whooping. Terrible. <laughs>
1: that
0: Terrible. game was such an ass whooping. And I was looking forward to that as a Giants fan. Boy, what an ass I was. So, yeah. Oh, Because I guess they couldn't give it to the entire Ravens defense. They had to give it to one person. Kudos to you, Ray. But you didn't really do anything to warrant that. Number four. Dexter Jackson. Super Bowl 37 Tampa Bay two first half interceptions Okay what that's else it? you got That's it Like what else you got And a route too that, And that's two. it Yeah yeah the, the in blowout game it had to give to somebody And apparently like that was the best of the bunch Okay that's fine Number 3 I'm with you Larry Brown Cornerback, Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl 30 two picks Neil O'Donnell gift wrapped them gift wrapped them to you so eh whatever Fred Bolitnikoff Super Bowl 11 four catches for 79 yards that's it that's it look at the game today you guys have 79 yards on a play. Cooper Cuff, I think, it's 79 yards and a quarter. It's 79 yards and a half. Like, come on now. Like, that's, like, eh. Number one, Jake Scott, Super Bowl seven, safety for Miami, two picks. Okay. These are all just very, I mean, you really could order them however you like, but they were just very much...
1: All right, this has been the Fade Route with D&Z. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can, catch our, you can catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded everyone.
0: Time for us to run the go route, but we'll talk to you next week. If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG Faderoute mail at gmail.com or slide in our DMs at Twitter at Faderoute DNZ. Questions, comments, pics, segment suggestions, you name it, we want to hear from you. Get at us in crowd.